You be seated. What a wonderful worship time we've shared together. Missing at Thanksgiving. There will be some empty chairs uh, at Thanksgiving tables around our community this year. I think particularly about uh, Jerry Paulette. His family will miss him. Diane Shiflett. Her family will miss her. Helen Lofton will be missed. Patsy Penwell had the service with her yesterday. She'll be missed. And think about people that have empty chairs at Thanksgiving, the conversations that they might have had, the stories they might have told, except for the memories, the music of their song would be completely silent. But we remember them, and we still feel for them and are thankful for them. We still hear in our hearts, and we're thankful for the one that sat in that chair. And all of you may have somebody missing at Thanksgiving. Now that's a kind of a sad way to begin a service on Thanksgiving, but as sad as melancholy as these thoughts might make us feel, even sadder would be the fact that there are many who are still living and breathing, who are living without a thankful heart. They know that God has blessed them. They know that God has become their Savior, but it's been a while since they returned and been the one that says, thank you for healing me of my sins. Missing at Thanksgiving. Some are missing. Such was the story of Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son who went away from his father. And that first Thanksgiving, if they had it, and they didn't have it back then, but if they were to have a, a time of praise, that son was missing at Thanksgiving. And such is the case for many of us. We allow our hearts to be drawn away. We leave those that we love behind us. And, when, and related to our life, we simply, in their life, is just, we become just a chair that's missing. We no longer see those family members. We no longer connect to them. We're, we've created distance in our life. Same with the relationships. We are missing at Thanksgiving. Why are people missing at Thanksgiving? If you have your Bibles, let's look at the story of Luke 15. The whole idea of this is, is basically the parable of the, of the lost son, the the prodigal son. And Jesus tells the story. Listen as I read it. He said to Jesus also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. I deserve it. So the father distributed the assets to the children. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had, travels to a different country where he squandered, I like the word squandered, spent it, wasted it, his estate on foolish living. And after he spent everything, uh, a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. He spent it all. Then he went to, went to work for a citizen in that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. And he longed to, to have his fill from the, the, the pods, the food the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any of that food. And the Bible says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of the father's hired workers have more than enough to, food, to eat, food to eat, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to the father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. I like the next statement. While the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and filled with compassion. And I want to just say to you, if you're away from God today, no one wants you to come back more than God Almighty. 
He weeps for you and has compassion for you. He ran and threw his arm around his neck and kissed him and said, son, and he said, the, said the, son, I, 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 the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your sight, so I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You can read the rest of the story, but I want to make a few comments about that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless this story. May this story be a truth that we can put in our spiritual bank, our toolbox, that we can use for our life and at the right time in the life of others. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We miss Thanksgiving because we display, we possess a selfish heart. Selfishness. We live in a very selfish society. The Bible says that he said, verse 12, this son said, give me what is coming to me. What is coming, give me what I deserve. This child of selfishness is basically like most children who understand these words, though they're not taught these words. Give me mine. I need this. And all this stuff was, I remember the other day I saw this kid in, in Walmart and I'm, I'm checking out and, and he grabs a handful of candy. But I need this candy. And she had to pay it all because he squeezed it to death, you know. I need this candy. You don't really need candy and I like it, but you don't need it. A selfish heart says, it's the father's job to please me. A selfish heart says, for all those teenagers out there that haven't recognized the role of their parents in their life, a selfish heart says to them, you've got to take care of me. You owe this to me. I deserve to be pleased. I deserve for you to make me happy. And the job of you have as a parent is to make me happy. No, the job of a parent is to make people right with God and to make people right. To raise up wholesome kids, kind kids, committed kids. That's the job of a family. But this kid says, I deserve to be pleased, so please me. And a selfish attitude is one that wants to prosper the child. The child wants the prosperity of the parents without working for it. Give me the estate. It was the father's to give. But he says, I want you to give it to me. I don't want to wait till you die. I want to take any chances of how this is parsed out at the end. Just give it to me now. I want my money and I want it now. What a selfish attitude it was. And we sometimes have that in our relationship with God. God, would you just bless me? I need this. And all the claims we have against God, to God and for him. Please me. Prosper me. And then he says, provide for me. He said the words, give me what's coming to me. Don't get me started, but entitlements. People think they deserve stuff. We, we don't deserve anything from God beyond judgment, but we get grace and we get mercy. I desire, I have the right, pay me. Jolene Horn, in her book, she writes in, about a woman's article that many women have read. And she writes and says that she was with her daughter one evening, the four-year-old daughter, and she decided to read her daughter the very chapter that we read today. She goes, I read to her the story of the prodigal son, and we discussed how the young son had taken his inheritance and left home, living it up till he had nothing left. Finally, when he could not even eat like the pigs did, he, he, he went to his, his home to his father who welcomed him. And when we finished the story, she said, I asked my four-year-old daughter, so sweetheart, what did you learn from this story? She thought for a minute and raised her hand and said, never leave home without your credit card. She missed the story, but let's don't miss it today. There was a wonderful father that had provided for this child, and he walked away from him. And we have a wonderful father in heaven that has given us air to breathe 
food he eats, sustenance, friends and family, and sadly, tragically, many of us, we walk away and leave an empty chair between us at God's table. Come back to the table. We miss it Thanksgiving when we display a selfish heart. We miss it Thanksgiving when we develop a, a sinful heart. He squandered. As I said earlier, I love that word squandering. I see a lot of squanderers out there. Can you see that squander? People who waste their money. He squandered his estate on foolish living. And by the way, sin is foolish. If you really, really work out the consequences of sin, the Bible says sin brings death. And if you work out the consequences of sin, sin is the reason we're sick, the, the very influence of sin, and how we can embrace that which God tells us to walk away from is terribly sinful. To walk away from these things, it's foolish. The son wanted to sow his wild oats. Let me pause there. Let me address a mistake that I hear sometimes people say about their children. Oh, my daughter, oh, my son, they're just sowing their wild oats. It'll be, it'll be okay. Let me say that that's not right. You don't have to sow your wild oats. And what parent, loving parent, would say, just go out there and enjoy life and maybe then you'll come back to God. No parent wants that to happen. You don't have to sow your wild oats. And let me say to all the teenagers and young people here, you don't have to experience the bad stuff. You can walk away from it without having the influence of it. So sinful people are not thankful people. Sinful people have a choice. But sometimes that choice is a foolish choice. Often what leads us down the path of sin is a selfish heart. What a waste. There were two things that kept this son out of the thankful chair. The two things. First, he wasted the resources of his father. The father gave him everything he needed, and he wasted it. Does that not preach to us, folks? All that God has given us, and so many of us are wasting those gifts. Sin will rob you from thankfulness. Don't waste the gifts that God has given you on a sinful life. He, secondly, what a waste. He wasted his relationship with the Father. He was relationally, relationally distant. Sin will remove you from a thankful spirit and a close spirit from many people you love. And sin will take you away from God. Yes, it will. Distance from God causes us to be missing in the Thanksgiving chair. The son left the distant country, the Bible says, left for the distant country. Sin will always attract you and lead you away from God. I'm going to say this. Sin will never lead you to God except for forgiveness. Allow your sins to bring you back to God, not to drive you away from God. God didn't cause you to sin. God allowed you to have free choice, and you choose to sin. The Bible says that we choose to sin, and therefore we are sinners. A sinful heart. Jeremiah knew this in chapter 17. He said, the heart of man is desperately wicked. How many know out there, look in the mirror, and you know you have potential to do some horrible things. That Many people are in prison that have done really wonderful things, but made a single sinful bad choice. Desperate things. You remember reading the college advertisement that says, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Let me say one more thing that's a terrible thing to waste. A terrible thing to waste is our thanks to God. Don't waste it. Thanks be unto God, the Bible says in Corinthians, for God's unspeakable gift, talking about his son. I mean, people do kind of develop sinful, selfish hearts. Most of you know, well, everybody knows I drink Dr. Pepper, and I'm proud. I'm part of the original crowd, you know. Uh, 
By the way, I didn't mention this. If you're a guest today, go by the welcome room. They have an ice cold Dr. Pepper for you. Uh, the Grimes, raise your hand, Grimes. They got one ready for you. Sorry, I, I've already looked. It's there. I may go by there myself, you know. <laughs> but, I'm, but speaking of Dr. Pepper, I, I keep, in, in the house we live on Golf and Green there, we have a, an outside uh, ice box in the garage, and, and I keep it full of Dr. Pepper and other crazy drinks like Diet Coke, who drinks that. And there's some tea in there and stuff, but I drink, I keep Dr. Pepper. I've done it for years. And there was a kid that lived up the street from us up on Ermine Way off of Golf and Green, and he used to come by my house and say, you got any drinks in that refrigerator? I said, I do. I said, I call it an ice box. New people call it a refrigerator. I call it an ice box. He said, you got any drinks I do? So I showed him that we had Dr. Pepper. So he takes a Dr. Pepper. He, we enjoyed fellowship together, and he came to church here for a while, and, and all of a sudden, he became a teenager. He was a little kid, rather, first when he first got the Dr. Pepper. He became a teenager, started driving cars and doing stuff. And, and I, I remember one time I drove by his house. He's washing his car. I waved at him. He didn't give me the time of day. I wanted to say, do you remember all those free Dr. Peppers I gave you? <laughs> I'm your friend, and you're not waving at me? I'm your provider, and you're not waving at me? Many of us walk down the road of life and we forget all God has done for us and our sinful heart leads us away from Him. You're missing at Thanksgiving if you develop a sinful heart. We're missing at Thanksgiving if you, if when we discover a sorrowful heart. The Bible says in verse 16, He longed to eat pig's food. One person wrote, and this is kind of funny, He was surrounded by pigs, but He couldn't eat ham. <laughs> I'm sorry. Couldn't resist that. A sinful, selfish son had reached the bottom and he discovered full-blown sorrow. Sin makes you sad. His desire to chase his dream had ended in a nightmare. I'm always touching the wrong thing here. I think I just turned this off, Bill. I just bumped it. Is it on? Breaker 1-9? Nobody remembers that. So, so his goal to, to, to find new light ended in a dark path. Sorrow was working on him. And scripture clearly teaches this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. It was his sorrow, his selfishness that ended sorrow and his, his, his terrible sinful attitude. And he reached this point to realize, I have done something horrible. I realized it was a terrible sin to leave the Father. And many of you, many of you know people, if not you and maybe some in this room, we've walked away from God. And finally we reached that point to realize that our sinfulness, our selfishness, had led us to sorrow in heart. When you find your sorrow in your heart, go back to God. That's what he did. Sorrow was working on him. In Scripture, God says this, as we said, the, the godly sorrow leads to repentance, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Sorrow brought him honesty. He says, I will go back to my father and say, I'll do anything. Just make me a servant. I'll take any job. I never understood, how, how, how understood this thing that people have. Let me just preach a sermon, just a side note. Am I still on? Side note, I'll get back over here. Side note, I never understood people who say, I'm going to quit this job because I don't like how much they pay. Do you have a job to go to? So he was going to quit his family because he wanted something better. And, and when he was broken, then he had to go back to the Father. Don't quit on your family. Don't quit on others. Sorrow brought him honesty. I'm willing to do any kind of job. I just want to be near my Father. Sorrow brought him humility. Once he's a child of a wealthy father, now he was a... Servant to pigs. Honesty and humility caused him to return to the thankful chair. 
The Bible says in James, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. But it also says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, this clear message from Solomon, that when a person has pride, pride goes before a fall. And this proud son had fallen all the way to the pig's pen. Sorrow can tell you, take you out of the thankful chair. Years ago, there was a lady named Lois that attended this church. And she was in deep sorrow when her husband died. She called me and went to Presbyterian Hospital on Walnut Hill. And uh, her husband was in the room when I got there. and He was already gone. The sheets were above his the sheets were above his head. I think this is just really going crazy on me here. I'm going back to the main mic here, folks, because I feel like this is about to shock me. There we go. I'm going to the main one. Here we go. So, so as Lois was there, uh, she, she was crying. I got there, and he was, the sheet was all over her husband's head. And there's a sweet nurse in there holding her hand. And Lois is crying. And they come, as I'm there, we prayed together. They come and funeral home removed the body out of the room and she sat there and just didn't move finally the nurse said it's time for you to stand up ma'am time for you to stand up and she said walk to the window with me she walked to the window the nurse holding her hand and said Lois what do you see outside this window she goes I see trees I see cars I see a blue sky what else do you see I see people and she said the nurse said, are those people dead? She said, no, they're living. And so are you. Lift up your head and you get going and you do the best to live your life apart from your husband and bring glory to God. What a preacher that lady was, that nurse was. Go ahead, get out of your sorrow, forget your sorrow and go back to God and live your life and make a difference. And then the last thing I see in this beautiful text is that when we enjoy Thanksgiving, we will desire a sensible heart. The Bible says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, there in the pig pen, the son must have said, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? The son desired to return to the chair he vacated. He decided to return when he came to his senses. And there are at least three things that attract him back to the chair. He needed help from the father. And which of us in this room don't need help from God? We needed help. He said, my father has enough. My, my father is rich in houses and lands. God has enough. And whatever you're going through, whatever your sorrow that's in your heart, whatever decision of, of sin that you've walked away from, let me tell you something. There's enough forgiveness. There's enough recovery. God has that. And a sensible person will say, I'm going to come back to God. He needed the help of the father. And I see this in the text. And he says, maybe in his heart, I need my father's help. But I know I need to be held by the father. And that's what you see. When the prodigal came back, the father was watching for him. and says, let me hold you. Let me hold you. That's what it means to be held, the song says to be held by God. And some of us have walked away from God. Many people you may be related to walk away from God and they need to be held by the Father. They need the help of God. They need to come back to Him. I'm thankful that the Father is always willing to help and hold on to the prodigal ones. Don't be missing in action this Thanksgiving.
he needed finally, he needed a father's house. <laughs> and he lived in a pig pen. Go back to the mansion. Let me say this. I'm not sure what kind of house you lived in on this earth. And uh, where we're, we're headed for one day, folks, a beautiful home. And, and sometimes we talk about the song, I've Got a Mansion. I don't think that song is correct. There's a mansion, but everything about, Jesus said in John chapter 4, everything about going to heaven is not for your house, for you to be in the Father's house. He has many places. He has a place. See, see, where we go home, heaven is a place. It's a home. And when you get to go to heaven, you're going to the Father's house. In the Father's house, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. We all need to return. We are all prodigals at times. We leave the blessing of our Heavenly Father Today, I want us to come back. Maybe in some way, everybody in this room has some prayer. There's something you haven't been thankful for. And you've left that opportunity to thank God for it. I love the song by the sidewalk prophets, Come to the Table. It's a great song. They write, Come meet this motley crew of misfits, those, these liars and the thieves. There's no one unwelcome here. So the sin and shame that you brought with you can leave it at the door. Now, I like this section where they write this. And this is God saying to everybody you know, not just in this church, to the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and the older, to the, all who hunger and those who thirst, the last and from the first, all paupers and the princes, all who fail and have been forgiven, those who dream and who suffer, those who loved and lost another, all the chained and who have been free, all who follow and all who leave, anyone that's been let down, all the lost you have been found, and all have been labeled right or wrong, God says, come back and take a seat at my table. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Come to the table. So I ask you this question. We'll all sit down at the Thanksgiving meal. But when we do, let's be thankful. And even before that, I'm going to appeal to you to do this. Maybe right now, I just want to say something in your heart you've been missing at Thanksgiving. You've not told God thank you for something he's done for you. God is watching. I have three, table, three chairs on the altar. I want you to come by and touch the chair. And if you want to sit in it and say a quick little prayer. If somebody's in the chair, you come by and touch the chair. But I want to make sure that we tell God this morning, we at Bowwood Park, we're not taking you for granted. We're not taking our estate and running. We want you to know, God, we're sitting at your table. Let's come back to the table and take our seat and tell God in heaven we are thankful for all that you've done for us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we give the invitation, if there's someone that needs Christ as their Savior, we pray they would come. If there's somebody that needs to come take a seat and touch the chair, and I'm going to be there. Help us to say a little prayer so that heaven hears a bunch of prayers of thanksgiving coming from Bowwood Park today. Stir a heart. Change your heart. Help us not to be missing Thanksgiving this year. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.